welcome to another fabulous episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, along with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy Holiday. Hello there. And uh, this episode, I'm very excited. We're going to cover a genre we have not done yet in the series, uh, RPGs with Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars for the Super Nintendo. But until we get to that game, uh, we'll do what we do every week. And I'll ask you, Billy, what have you played since last time? Whew. You know, I started off uh, just almost just playing the Super Mario RPG. This is probably one of the longest games we, we've played. So, uh, yeah, I, I put a lot more time into this one. Uh, but then... I, I was on the fence with this one for a couple days. That No Man's Sky was coming out, and and I was uh, I was a little a little leery of it. You know, it had the delays and just all the hype surrounding it, which usually results in massive failure. But uh, old old Jeremy Gregory himself gave it his seal of approval, and I know it's it's hard for something to get that. So I, I jumped on, and I've been playing that thing almost nonstop ever since, and I am just I'm completely overwhelmed it's 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 an experience pretty much unlike any other in a game and it's just you know everything they said leading up to it that you'd be able to do and just how massive the game is i it all seems like it's it's paid off uh it seems like it is as advertised which is uh, pretty extraordinary i think so i've i've been pouring hours into that thing and I, i've done everything from just exploring you know trying to uh trying to chart all the different animals, uh, creatures I encounter, to just, just mining minerals and, and things, a bunch, a whole lot of things that don't sound exciting at all, but when you put them all together, somehow are quite exciting. That's, oh, that's basically what I've been playing too, but, you know, I recommended, recommended it to you, but I don't think I, I could really go out and, and just recommend this to, to everyone because it's such a, it, it's almost, you know, there's, people say there's not much to do, and I can understand that. Um, but I think those people are expecting other things in the game to do. For me, there is plenty of things to do. Uh, I, I can spend easily four or five hours on one planet just going around exploring, finding waypoints, uh, just all kinds of shit. And, and that's fine with me, but I could totally understand why other people would just be like, this is the most boring thing I've ever played. Yeah, you know yeah. what's what's the overall goal to this? You know what am I supposed to be doing? And it, it, I, I don't know if I could really recommend it to people that just don't kind of like this kind of game. Yeah, and I'm a you know I'm a as they say a walking simulator uh, fan, and there's a good deal of that to it. Uh, and there it's it's a, a little bit of Minecraft to it uh, with some of the uh, you don't build, uh, but a lot of the kind of mining for different different materials. Uh, I mean, a lot of people say there. Yeah, there's nothing to do in it, but that depends on what you're looking for. There's no big, uh, besides the occasional, you know, dogfight up in in space. There's no big action scenes or anything like that. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint, no, there's not going to be a thing for you to do. But uh, if if you like just exploring, uh, just collecting, and you know, like I said, I, most of the fun I have is just going to different planets and seeing what. You know what animals you can discover uh, and and name and whatnot and upload, and I mean, from that standpoint, just from a, a relaxing, just looking around uh, adventure standpoint, there is an infinite amount of things to do. So I, it looked interesting to me. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of 
for example, like Mass Effect 1, where you had the Planet Exploration series, a lot of people hated that boring, like, well, to them boring, part where you just drive around planets and kind of scout out to look for missions and stuff. That was my favorite part of the game. Is this a lot like that, or is it even more, like, freeform, like Minecraft-y? Well, there's, I mean, there's a good amount of crafting in the game. The, the majority of the game is uh, you will be landing on these planets. Uh, you will be collecting different resources from it, like uh, you'll get iron from rocks, plutonium from different types of uh, plants, things like that. Um, and then you will use those resources to craft blueprints that you find or um, charge your, your suit back up. You know, when you're out on a planet, it's constantly draining uh, due to you know, radiation or, or cold or something like that. Uh, so you're constantly having to keep yourself alive uh, and, and upgrade your, your suit, your ship, um, your multi-tool, which is like your gun and your mining tool um, at the same time. And that's kind of the way the game rolls. You just kind of keep doing that over and over again uh, on your way to the center of the universe, which is the overall goal. But... I mean, I guess it just depends, you know, it, like you said, you're, with Mass Effect, if you just enjoy rolling around and, and kind of getting lost in a game, uh, you can really do that with this game. Like, it, it's just so much fun to, to to see what's over that next hill because the game is, is just so striking. You know, it looks like a 50s sci-fi uh, book cover. The whole game is basically that. So, I mean, if, if that sounds like something you would enjoy, uh, this is this is a game that you'll probably spend hours in. If that sounds boring as hell to you, then there's probably not much else you, <laughs> for me to really try to convince you that the game's any good. Well, yet another game I can't play because I'm still the last person on the planet that only uses my Wii U uh, and then these the retro systems. So uh, since the last time, all I've done is, uh, is play this game because, again, this is a pretty lengthy game. Uh, but I also finished up uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE, finally. Mm. Uh, highly, highly recommend it if you like you know, the Persona games, any kind of role-playing game at all. It's definitely goofy. Uh, I don't know if you guys bothered checking out my, uh, my Miiverse page, but it's all a bunch of shots of this game, and it looks absolutely uh, like I'm playing a, a weird dating sim. But other than that, it's, it's, uh, it's been a pretty slow week for games because this did take a lot of time. So I don't know. Uh, did you play anything else, Jeremy, or just pretty much No Man's Sky? Um, pretty much No Man's Sky. I would like to mention that I did beat Inside, uh, the game I talked about last time, uh, the game from the, the guys that made Limbo. And, man, what what an end to that game. If you guys get a chance to play this, um, it's worth it just for, like, maybe the last 20 minutes of that game because it is so fucked up, uh, just just what ends up transpiring in that last, that last section of the game. Uh, it, obviously, kind of like Limbo, the story is very... Uh, you just kind of don't really know what's going on. You kind of have to piece things together. Uh, but this one has a, uh, a climax to it uh, that, that Limbo did not. And it's it's so good. So um, anyone on the fence on it, about Inside or, or wanting to buy it, I can't recommend that game enough. That one could end up being uh, one of my top three games of the year. Well, I definitely want to try Inside. I mean, I, I loved Limbo. I know you said it, you weren't a big fan of Limbo. Uh, but I imagine it can't be a drastically... Uh, different style of game uh, or at least a feel to the game because what i liked about limbo is i thought it felt uh the, the atmosphere was very solid i've heard very similar things about inside so i'll definitely check it out but this week's game is not a game that has uh a bizarre atmosphere or really any twist to it it's a pretty straightforward rpg but with characters we've all known and loved forever super mario rpg the legend of the seven stars 
Oh, yeah. And I was very excited uh, when this one came out as a potential title that we were going to be going over on the show. I, I have very fond memories of this one. Uh, that, that, you know, the year it came out, I was pretty much playing this. Uh, we discussed it before the, uh, the podcast began, just what was going on about this point in time. And what was going on was the PlayStation. And, you know, the Super Nintendo was kind of on the way out. And I guess that's how I remember it, because this is one of the final uh, Super Nintendo games I really just sat down with and played at length. And uh, I had a lot of fond memories of it. And I've played it a lot over the years since then, uh, but never all the way, you know, through just trying to, to, you know, collect everything. You know, I've done pretty much just speeding through as quick as I could. But I really played through this time and, and tried to, take the time to kind of take everything in and get a, you know, kind of a, a fresh perspective on it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, this is just a, one of those classics. And even though Mario is in the, it's a Mario game, I still say it's probably not a very, you know, mainstream, well-known game. It's well-known for, for people that remember it. And, yeah. and like you said, this was one of the last big Nintendo games for the Super Nintendo. I, coming out in 1996, really the, the biggest games that came out that year for the Super Nintendo were like Donkey Kong Country 3 and, and Kirby Superstar. Uh, both those games were all right, but, you know, this was a, this was a really big game uh, coming from Nintendo and, and both Square. Uh, you know, a huge RPG that just kind of, you know, they kind of came at the end of the Super Nintendo's lifespan and, and not too many people were still hanging on to their Super Nintendo uh, when this came out. So I think a lot of people really missed out on it. Um, I have really fond memories of it. Me and my cousin, uh, we, we rented this over the course of a few different weekends. And thankfully, no one deleted our save um, over the course of, the, of those weeks we played it. And uh, we, we were able to beat it finally. And, and that's my, my fondest memory of this game. Uh, I've played it a little bit here and there over the years. And uh, every time I do, it's still just as good as I remember it. Well, I hadn't played that this at all until this podcast. Uh, I was looking forward to it. It's one that, you know, it's been out for 20 years now. It came out in 1996. And I, I thought over the last 20 years, I really should give that game a chance. I mean, when it did come out, uh, you're right. The PlayStation came out in 1995. The Saturn was already out. But the N64 didn't hit for a while after that. So Nintendo was still supporting the Super Nintendo, but it was a lot of, if you look at the list of games that came out, you know, after the launch of those systems, there was a few holiday titles, there was Mario RPG, uh, and then it was a lot of things that were ported to, you know, all the newer systems and the Super Nintendo. So there was Mortal Kombat and NBA Lives and Maddens. So uh, people were still buying those games. I mean, I worked at the, uh, at the Electronics Boutique at that point, and uh, I remember there was a lot of people buying Super Nintendo still waiting for the N64, big Nintendo guys that weren't going to jump to... Uh, Sony and no one was jumping to to the Saturn, but this game when it came out never went down in price. Is all I remember. It was always sixty nine ninety nine forever. It never went down until we stopped carrying it, uh, which is one of the reasons I didn't get it at that time because I I used my Super Nintendo, but I was already you know fully encompassed by the PlayStation at that point in time. So I, I wasn't going to jump back to a Mario game, uh, and I also was a little bit burned out on RPGs at that point in time. Uh, which, you know, now it's all I play. Uh, but at that time, I, I thought I had played too many RPGs, and I went back to just kind of straight action titles for a while. So uh, I never gave this a shot. I'm very glad I did. Yeah, and I almost uh, didn't give this one a shot uh, because you were burned out on RPGs. I had no clue about RPGs for the, for the most part. I believe my experience was I played Dragon Warrior on the NES, and, and that was about it for me. It was not something I was that... Uh, kind of experienced with 
uh, and I had somehow in my head I had associated RPGs with being extraordinarily boring, uh, which for the record I, I know better. Only three fourths of them are extraordinarily boring. Uh, but yeah, but, so it it really had me on the fence about this one, and I pretty much just jumped on. I just you know Mario's in it. How bad? How bad could it be? Uh, and that's really what got me to try it out, and I'm glad I did. Well, it was developed by Square, as Jeremy had said earlier. Uh, Nintendo had a big hand in guiding what was uh, going to actually pass in the final game or not, but really it was Square's games. Square, of course, being the company that gave us the Final Fantasy series, which on the Super Nintendo were two of the best RPGs uh, you know, on the console, but also in that whole generation. Final Fantasy 2 and 3 in the United States uh, were, were incredible games. So I, I definitely wanted to... To, you know, I wanted to see this game, but then knowing it was Nintendo and it was Mario, and just looking at the fact that you know, all the box art made it look cartoony and, and a little goofy, I really wasn't sold that it would be a good game. Uh, I'm clearly, I, I'm glad I checked it out now. I'm glad I say I was wrong, but I think it's a weird target audience you'd be trying to hit. People who haven't gone to the next generation, people who do want to play an RPG, but people who are also willing to try one that has you know, Mario and the Princess and, and Bowser in it. It really is. I mean... It just taken at face value, even back then, I was kind of like you, you know, I was all aboard the PlayStation train and I wasn't going back. But my when my cousin, you know, he, he was the one that actually rented it because I had given him my Super Nintendo. And, uh, you know, he was like, hey, you know, we, let's try this. We, we always played like Final Fantasy games together, Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger, all those square classics on the Super Nintendo. And he saw that this was square and... I immediately saw it was Mario, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? Who would make a, 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 you know, a serious RPG about Mario and friends? And, uh, but they did, and it, it works. I mean, it's, it's really goofy and, and cartoony and everything else. Uh, but then there's that square side to it, and they know how to make, well, they knew how to make a role-playing game back then. And uh, this just continues the trend. It's, it's an amazing role-playing game. Another thing I'd, I'd forgotten to mention was not just was it a kind of weird game because they tried to make a, a more serious RPG with Mario in it, but you have to remember at this time in the Super Nintendo's life, because it was the end of the system, they were slapping Mario on pretty much any game that could be passable. So there was Mario Paint and uh, Mario's Missing, like an educational game, a bunch of weird, not standard Super Mario-style games. So the fact that they'd put out an RPG, I just figured was, oh, all right, one more genre they haven't done, whatever, no big deal. I didn't even realize it was Square until later. So, unlike every other Mario game, un the story for this game is going to surprise you. It starts out with the <laughs> princess being captured by Bowser. And I know that no one's going to believe this. Mario goes to save her. Groundbreaking. I know. Top. Unheard of. <laughs> uh, but quickly something goes wrong. Uh, while you're saving the princess, uh, more or less a giant sword falls out of the sky through Bowser's castle, forcing everyone out of the, uh, out of the castle, and, and you kind of wake up on a shore. Uh, which I assume is by your house, although I wasn't even sure on that. Because, you know, why would Mario have a house in the Mushroom Kingdom? He's not really from there. But that doesn't matter. From I think there, that's his house. I, I, I want to say that's his house. Well, there are pictures of him in it, so if it's not his house, it's a scalker's house. So he should and, probably uh, not stay there. <laughs> and how shitty of a house is that for the guy that saved the kingdom? He's I know, a legend. He's over and over. Like a give, shack on the edge of the woods, you know. <laughs> it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi or something. Give him a wing in the castle at this point. Yeah. So yes, after Mario wakes up and, uh, and walks through his sad shack, Toad is outside of your house and says, you need to go to the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, which conveniently is right next door, to talk to the, uh, the king of the Mushroom people, I think, or is it the chancellor? Uh, and, and he will tell you what to do if you can't save the princess. And from there, it's a, it's a standard isometric view kind of RPG. You, you, uh, 
<clears throat> you walk from your house through the forest to get to the kingdom. You'll see enemies. It's not random encounters as much as you'll see the enemies, but when you walk into them, it goes to a standard uh, you know, Final Fantasy-style separate attack screen where all your guys are on one side and the enemies are on the other side. Uh, and then as it gets to your turn, it gives you a, a choice. Do you, know, do, you, do you fight or do you use an item? Do you use a, an ability or run away? Uh, so it's very much like any other role-playing game at that point. But at least when you start, it's, uh, you have very, very few options of what you can do. You can either you know, use your, your punch attack, or I don't even know if you have your, your first secret at that point. I've forgotten if you, if you get your first secret, which is a jump attack. Uh, but, but it's pretty much like a, a two or three attack role-playing game, which, again, if you've played a lot of role-playing games, came across to me as a little bit simple, and it took me a while to force myself through the early part of this game because of that. Well, I, th- I think for myself, where I was, I was pretty inexperienced with them. Uh, and, I mean, I literally had played Dragon Warrior, and that, and that you know, that was it, and that was years before that. Uh, so the turn-based thing just it threw me for a loop, uh, and it took some getting used to. And I did not like it at first. Uh, you know, you got your usual options to defend. Uh, you can use an item. You can use you know your special attacks when when you have them. Uh, and you've got your basic attack, and and yeah, that it was just a, a lot to get used to. Which I, I assume, you know, uh, the first RPG, it is uh, an adjustment. thing this game did uh, when you are attacking or defending if you compress that attack uh, or defend button at the correct time you'll either do more damage or if you're defending you will take less and as a side note i thought from this moment on that was normal in every rpg so as i played over the years no matter what the game was i would always tap that button again while i attacked or tap it again right before i got hit and it wasn't for years until i learned that that was not standard (laughs) <laughs> and that and that did not apply to other games. That it in fact was not doing anything at all. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a very uh, at at the start. It is very much just kind of baby's first RPG. It's it's very simple. Um, and you know, me and my cousin, we we were kind of used to the Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger, and all those were were much more advanced, even starting off. So. I was kind of getting the idea that maybe this one was just going to be, uh, you know, it's kind of maybe like a kid's game or something. It was aimed more towards children, uh, so it would have a very easy difficulty. But this, um, this, this surely was, uh, this was, this part at least was probably for, I would assume for the, the they knew they were going to the RPG crowd uh, and the Mario crowd. I have to imagine the first quarter of this game caters to that Mario crowd that may or may not have played. Uh, an RPG before, I could see that. I mean, that's. I mean, that was basically you. So, I mean, yeah. if, if that was their plan, then they succeeded, and uh, it definitely ramps up. We'll we'll get to that eventually. But um, the one thing that really did kind of keep my attention it, it, before it did start ramping up was just how gorgeous the game looked. Oh, um, you know, this uses the uh, the same kind of CG graphics that that Donkey Kong Country did, but. I think this game is a much better looking game. Uh, Donkey Kong Country was always very kind of, you know, it looked amazing at the time. Kind of dark and muddy. 
uh, this game's very vibrant. You know, everything looks really, really nice. Everything's modeled well. Uh, you know, there's not much animation to speak of, but it's just it's super fun to look at it at all times. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of one thing that that kept my attention uh, in the early stages and did all the way through the game. Yeah, this is a a beautiful game. And I, I made the same comparison earlier when, when I was playing over the last week or two uh, of which game was looked better. Uh, I knew that this and Donkey Kong Country were the two, you know, the two heavy hitters on the Super Nintendo. But this, you know, hands down. Uh, and for the same and same reasons as you said, you know, Donkey Kong Country, you, you know, there are stages where, you know, it's darker. Uh, you're in a mine, you know, various things like that. But this is just a very bright, just kind of lively uh, game. Probably the best looking on the Super Nintendo. And I can only imagine, you know, they knew they had to pull out all the stops with the uh, the more powerful hardware out there. Well, it definitely does, you know, teach you the the basics of an RPG while still introducing their own mechanic. That button press mechanic that you had mentioned, Billy, is pretty much, uh, you know, if you don't learn that, you're not going to finish the game. Uh, you have to learn how to time those attacks right, but more importantly, you have to learn how to time your your defensive button pushes right, or else there are many attacks on some yeah. of the later bosses that will wipe you out if you don't block them in the right number of times. It's not hard. It's just something else to do, and uh, in a lot of ways, it's it's very rhythmic. Like, as you you watch their attack, you'll know exactly when to push that button based on their movements. Uh, I don't think anyone will have a, a hard time picking it up, but it is, it's a neat mechanic. I do like it. Uh, I could see how it gets really irritating. If every game did that, I would stop playing RPGs immediately. But as a, as a, a once-in-a-while kind of thing, it's kind of a neat, a neat touch to this game. It's neat, and, but kind of like you said, this, this gets to the point where you have to do this. Uh, if this was just something that was like a nice little bonus, uh, that would be one thing. But it kind of got annoying with me after a while that there were many fights where you could not win later in the game, unless you did these, these uh, button presses perfect every single time. And I think that's when, I mean, it's like you said, it's not hard to do. You can, you can do it, but man, if you miss one, you're, you're, you know, your person's dead and you know, that, that fight's basically lost. So it, it kind of wore on me after a while. Well, thankfully you don't go too far in the game by yourself uh, until you get to the Mushroom Kingdom town. And that's where you meet your first companion in the game, uh, a frog question mark named mallow who doesn't look anything like a frog uh but his, instead of his you know mario's special attacks are more like what super mario would do so he has jump attacks he has fireball attacks you know things that come from what mario has done in previous mario games uh, as mallow's a whole new character he doesn't have to follow any of those rules uh, but in in standard rpg terms he's a caster he's he's more of an, an aggressive caster with a a minor healing support spell but really he's your first kind of real you know standard rpg character where he comes with more than one ability uh, that you can use throughout the game. You're not going to just use his attack over and over again like you do with Mario. I, I think once you get that second character, it it definitely picks up a little bit. Uh, I know for, until I had that, you know, until I had Mallow and he got a, a couple abilities on him, I was kind of just forcing myself through this because I knew it was good. Everyone told me, you know, oh, it's a great game. So I, I was like, I have to give this a shot. But I, I don't know if I, if we weren't playing this for the podcast, if I would have just picked this up to check out, I don't know if I would have made it far enough to get to where I felt like it was really a, a moving game and, and that's pretty standard for rpgs but not for rpgs in this era like in the current era you know i mean final fantasy 13 is a, a the most extreme example but that has 60 hours till it feels like a full game yeah it, i mean it's it's definitely kind of slow I, it, thankfully if you don't mess around too much you can get mallow pretty quick uh you know you, you get the uh you kind of get to the town where the chancellor is you know you can go to the shop buy some buy some armor 
Um, and then once you get Mallow, you're kind of set off to do the first big kind of, well, quest in the game. Uh, you're basically uh, going after the thief that stole his coins. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, once you get Mallow, then it definitely starts getting that team dynamic in there uh, to where you can kind of have, you know, some characters defending, attacking, whatever. But it just takes it takes a while to really get rolling. Yeah, that what an annoying little shit that Mallow is. <laughs> I, I, I do not like this character. I was annoyed with this character the first time I played, and I continued on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's 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 valuable early on. He, he's your healer most of the time, and you know, throughout the course of the game, uh, he's never going to do much damage to anybody. And I, I usually would chuck him out, uh, and we'll talk about it as soon as you uh, other options. Uh, come along but yeah you start off with him and it's about this time you know you get to that first town and you're able to start buying some new equipment uh, including you know some new weapons uh, some new uh, clothing items uh, to put on you start picking up a few extra attacks I think at this point Mario has his his jump and you pick up a fireball eventually so they're all all attacks you know kind of themed within the the regular series of Mario games uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, this is when it picks up. You go on that first little quest, I guess, with Malo to, uh, recover his, his coins from this, this thieving crocodile type thing. Uh, and this is also about the time where you start to level your characters up, uh, you know, which is just standard RPG fare. Uh, I thought it was nice on this one when you level up, uh, all your stats, you know, move up a little bit. Uh, but you're also, uh, able to pick a stat that's going to get a little bonus to it. Uh, which is usually your magic, uh, your defense, uh, or, um, excuse me, your magic, uh, your hit points, or your the damage that you do. Uh, and and not being versed in RPGs, I thought this was a neat little thing uh, thrown in on it. I think that was neat even if you are in RPGs. I mean, a lot of the yeah. previous RPGs up to this point was very linear progression. You know, you go up a, a level, you get a specific, like, oh, after so many levels, you get a new a new spell or a new ability. Your stats go up, but you don't really have a lot of control over exactly how you level up in a lot of these kind of RPGs until later. I know there are many games, you know, the Final Fantasy series did that early uh, where you could pick your class and level up different classes. But a lot of RPGs, you know, I, I played Lunar a lot. That was the, the series I was in love with on the Sega CD. And that was very linear. You know, as you leveled up, you just got increasingly strong, but you couldn't really control a lot of what you were getting each level. So having any kind of customizing ability, even if it's just to make your character stronger in magic or stronger in physical uh, damage, you know, I still thought that was a cool touch. get back Mallow's coins you go back to the town and that's when they are invaded by the same people it looks like who would uh who had attacked Bowser's keep earlier in the game disrupting you when you're saving the princess and then you you know of course you do Mario's thing you'll save the town and that's when you find the actual plot of the game which is that uh Smithy who's the main villain of the game has has broken up the star road into you know seven different star pieces and it, without those pieces put that together and the Star Road put back together, no one's dreams will ever come true. So oh, <laughs> Mario, of man. course, 
has to to find other people to help him uh, to, to find the other stars because he gets the first star I think at that point and uh, and and there you go that's how your main adventure starts it's no longer about saving the princess it's about saving all of our dreams well obviously the star road has always been broken for me my entire <laughs> life never to be reformed uh, yeah I mean it's it's a, it's a change of pace uh, you know and and to go back to the beginning it's it's exciting I mean you start the game off like you would conclude um, a Mario game, you know, the big fight with Bowser. And yeah, and the, you get this mystery villain uh, that pops in, which which the first time I played, I was convinced was going to be Wart, uh, returning, for, <laughs> returning for Mario 2 to finally get that revenge. But no, it's, it's Smithy, and I mean, he's... I mean, we'll probably talk more about him later. He He's there. Uh, he's a villain that's not Bowser. Uh, that much is exciting, but uh, not that memorable, really. I think we should probably, you know, for anyone wondering, we should probably mention that this this story is is not serious at all. <laughs> this is very uh, very much a, a silly kind of story, you know, kind of a Mario story. It's definitely kind of got, you know, it's you know, it's serious parts, but overall, this is a very silly game. It's got a lot of humor that it does. Uh, Mario and his companions and, and everyone else in the world is, is very expressive with their animations. You know, Mario will usually, you know, fly back if he hears something shocking. You know, there's there's just a lot of, of I will say, attempted humor in this game. <laughs> I know some people like it, but it's it's kind of it, it can certainly be um, uh, goofy, I will say, uh, for a good chunk of the game. It's yeah. it's endearing in a way. But, you know, this is definitely not your your basic serious square RPG. No, and I and I thought one of the one of the things I found uh, to have a lot of humor to it was Mario uh, kind of stays true to form, does not speak for the duration of the game. So yeah, when he engages yeah. in, and you know, in an RPG, you go into town, you have to do a lot of talking. You know, pretty much if you're like me, obsessively with every single character multiple times to make sure they don't have any different dialogue. But for Mario to communicate, he usually has to mime things and. Now, this is humorous early on, but it happens one too many times. Uh, there's a, a pretty lengthy animation that you can't skip. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, and yeah, this is goofy. Uh, there's nothing serious about this game at all. Uh, it's 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 Nintendo definitely uh, playing later Square games. Nintendo definitely had most of the say in this one, as far as the story goes. Oh yeah, I, I guarantee the the story and even the the, the general feel of the game. You know, Nintendo approved, uh, you know, had final say over all of it. You know, Mario doesn't have a sword and a shield. He doesn't have magical spells that summon a dragon. Mario does things that Mario would do. And the game is definitely lighthearted. Uh, you know, it's I guess it's darker than a, a standard Mario game, but it's still not dark by any means. I, I do think that it's probably not worth it to go, th- you know, through the story block by block because a lot of it is standard. You know, you go to a town, they have a problem, you fix the problem, maybe you get a star, maybe you get a direction of where to head next, and, and it's a pretty linear progression. You know, you go around this big, uh, almost like a big donut to get back to where you started uh, to get to the last section of the game, uh, which begins at Bowser's Castle, but then goes beyond. Uh, I do want to say Mallow is is an annoying character, uh, but in a world where Final Fantasy VIII exists, he's not that annoying. Uh, he's <laughs> he's just kind of annoying. For everyone else in the game, he's he's the most annoying, but... Uh, on the spectrum of RPG characters, he's not so bad. Uh, the second additional character you get is Gino, like a living puppet that's possessed by someone from whatever universe the Star World comes from. I love Gino. I thought Gino yeah. was cool. 
Gino is an awesome character, and there has I and a lot of people that played this game walked away with him being uh, their favorite part of it. And there have been every time a Mario title has come up, uh, one of the multiplayer things, you know, a Mario Party, uh, Mario Tennis, a Mario Kart. There's always an upswell of people that want to see uh, Gino inserted into a new Mario game. Yeah, clearly, hands down, my, my probably my favorite person. And probably, you know, he's a heavy hitter on that thing. He is one of the, uh, until you get a later character, uh, is, you know, deals out the heavy damage. Part yeah, Mario's like the, uh, you know, he's he's kind of what I would say the the middle character. You know, he's he's got a decent amount of uh, HP, and, and he can hit decent. Mallow is, of course, the healer. He dies almost every fucking fight. And then Gino was your firepower. He is the one for most of the game. Uh, that I stuck to that I was just like, you know, this is the guy that's going to put the finishing touches on uh, while with and and Mario is going to be, you know, kind of my my middle guy. He's going to make sure everybody stays stays alive and, and while doing some offense himself. Uh, yeah, Gino's great. I you know, it's kind of it kind of sucks that this was his first and last appearance as far as I know of. Well, I mean, because he's, again, a new character, they don't have to follow any other rules to what's already happened in the, the Mario universe. And that made it more interesting, I think. You know, his, his special moves all involve uh, him kind of shooting beams out of his arms and, and at the same time all his weapons or his hands flying off as, as weapons. I mean, he looked cool uh, and, and still, you know, had no... The fact that he was a possessed doll with, with no real, uh, you know, body that you could see made him a little mysterious, I think, too, which is kind of neat, where Mallow just looked like a weird cloud man that thought he was a frog oh, god mallow so yeah gino's a good touch uh and then again as you progress through this game uh you'll eventually get two other characters to round out your party you can only have three active members at once but you can switch them uh, outside of combat back and forth and you will because they'll have different strengths uh you will get later on uh bowser will join you to help get his own keep back uh which is a nice touch that you're, you're on a team with him i mean the whole time story-wise he's saying things like you're on his team not he's on your team and and, you know, all these other little things that, you know, in, in the Mario world make it make sense. Uh, but he's he's more of a another direct damage dealer. He has a lot of area effect abilities, and he can poison people with some of his special attacks. Uh, but mainly it's, he, he does mass attacks against everybody. They aren't as strong as some of the attacks that Gino has, uh, but he can hurt most people with his special abilities. And then later on, you'll even rescue the princess, uh, which is a pretty neat section. And then she joins you as well. She is a much stronger healer than Mallow is. She has no real offensive ability other than a basic attack. And, and she does have one more like attack spell, but it's not as strong as Mallow's attack spells. But yeah. basically, at that point, you don't use Mallow for healing at all. I mean, if he's in your party, great. You can use his heal. Why not? But if you're going to need a healer, you want the princess. She doesn't just heal. She also can resurrect, which no one else can do. And, uh, and she has a group heal, which no one else has. I mean, she clearly becomes the support character that I... Once you get her, I never took her out of the group unless there was a specific fight, a boss fight that I knew she'd be useless in. And Milo's dead to you at that point. <laughs> he, he's done. Uh, but yeah, you, and I've got to take this moment. We we spoke of rescuing the princess. You do that from a uh, from Booster. Booster, uh, that's right. Just a, a just very eccentric character. Uh, has his own castle, and Booster's tower in particular uh, is home of one of the best pieces of music. Uh, in any video game.
I'll tell you, and this is a game with some strong... We, we talked about the graphics. We've got to talk about the music. Uh, this is a strong lineup in this game. So much so that I recall sit, sitting uh, about an inch from my television uh, with a little tape recorder in my hand, recording several parts of the music from this. Booster's Tower in particular, I remember I would record uh, several times over. Uh, it's a pretty short track before it gets very repetitive. Uh, you know, So I, I'd record it where I had a about a 10-minute length of it to play out. Uh, but yeah, besides that, this game is packed with just some amazing music. A surprising soundtrack for, for a, like a Nintendo property, for something that you would just expect like some very uh, standard Mario-type music. Uh, they, they actually did uh, quite a few tracks from, from guys that actually did Final Fantasy music. I know at least three tracks were, were done by the guy that did Final Fantasy VI which just had some of the best video game music ever in it. So uh, I, I went into this game not expecting much in terms of uh, audio quality, uh, and I was really surprised. The only piece of music I didn't care for is the standard combat music. And I don't know why, <laughs> I mean, other than that it's super short, but it sounds like the end theme for combat. Like, you know, you beat Final Fantasy combat, and it's that dun 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 Well, what if every combat was just that the entire time? That's what it sounds like when you go into every combat in this game. It's like this happy, upbeat music that's probably eight seconds long before it loops. Oh, it's the worst song. Uh, but of course, that's the one you hear the most. You do. And boss fights have different music, different... Uh, I think, actually, there's a bunch of different boss fight musics, uh, which is nice. But, yeah, the standard fight music is almost unbearable. That's the only piece of music in the game I did not care for. Um, going back to the, char- the, uh, the characters you get, what is everyone's go-to team? Well, my team, in the end, by the end of it, I just... You know, I hated to drop him out, uh, but when you want power, uh, uh, Gino is good I mean, for a long stretch of the game. But, but once you get Bowser... He's clearly the heaviest hitter. I always rolled with Bowser, Mario, of course, and you know, and, and Peach. You got the the love triangle. Yeah, you, you had to run him. <laughs> Never Malo after you could get rid of him. Gone. Gino, I would I drop for Bowser, but it hurt. It really did hurt. And I mean, I'm sure there's parts where he's probably better off. Uh, he's better suited. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just love the fact, you know, when I originally played this, I just love the fact that you could play as Bowser. Uh, not a, I mean, it's not a, you know, proper side-scrolling Mario title, but just the fact that you control Bowser was enough. Uh, but he's just, he's a very useful character. And I love some of his attacks, uh, and, and weapons he has, which is pretty, a lot of them, him throwing his, his minions at, uh, at yeah. the enemies. Uh, but yeah, that was always my go-to and it was my go-to this time as well. Uh, you know, as I hadn't played it before, I wasn't sure what everyone's abilities would be at first. And uh, now it's pretty standard that any game that has, you know, special attacks and spells during the combat, it will say what those abilities do. Uh, this game does not. So unless you're outside of combat and look at what your skills are, you don't really know exactly what they do until you try them. So I, I actually didn't use a lot of characters when I first got them. After you get your first three, after you get Mario, you know, Mallow and Gino, and you can't switch Mario out. Mario always has to be in your party, unsurprisingly. Um, I stuck with those three for a long time, and then once I got Koopa, uh, Bowser, I uh, I did switch to him eventually, but not until almost the end of, of Booster's Mansion. So I ran through most of Booster's Mansion with the 
with Mario, Mallow, and Gino. And then I just switched out, you know, Mario, uh, Mallow for Bowser. So my, my go-to team for most of the game, except for specific boss fights where I need a healer, was Mario, Bowser, Gino. And they did a lot of damage, and I just made sure I had a whole bunch of healing items, and I was good to go. That's the heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, mine was, was uh, basically Billy's Mario, uh, Bowser, and, and Peach. Um, it it kind of sucks for, for Mallow and, and Gino, but once you get that team together, I, there's no going back for me. Uh, Gino is, is definitely the heaviest hitter, but Bowser with his multiple attacks, I mean, he makes that game so much faster. Um, especially just like the, the random fight or not the random fights, but the enemies you do touch or whatever. I mean, he can take out the entire field in one hit you're, and then you're moving on. Um, that's what I liked most about him. If I had a problem with a boss where I needed more damage and it was just a single, uh, character that I needed to hit, then I would probably put Gino back in. But overall, of course, Mallow's gone instantly as soon as, as Peach comes into the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Mallow is maybe someone out there really likes Mallow. Maybe someone can tell me what is the what why you would keep Mallow in the game until the end. I could never find anything that this guy could do that wasn't worse than what Peach could do. So yeah, Peach mean, was just always there. And that, and that's the trouble. Uh, I don't I mean I don't know if they were kind of wanting you to just push him to the side and get your your all original Nintendo character lineup in there. But yeah, I mean, she just she does everything he does and, and more. And, and Peach actually can, uh, while not, you know, she's not heavy damage dealer, but she can hold her own. Uh, where Malo, you know, leveled up and, you know, with his some of his upper, you know, upper tier weapons still just can't do much of anything. And, you know, and, and what good's a healer if the guy is going down early on in the fight? Uh, that's, a, that's a character, yeah, I would love to know if someone has ran him through for the entirety of the game. I think that is a, that is certainly uh, an achievement. You want to know my conspiracy theory? Are you ready for this? Yes. I think Mallow and Gino are original square creations oh. that Nintendo, you know, did a thumbs shit, up shit on. on yeah. And then Nintendo was like, well, what if we go ahead and put in Bowser and Peach as well? And Square was just like, well, you know, we kind of already got these characters. You know, we got a healer. We got a damage dealer. Well, let's just do that. But let's make them better. And let's do Bowser and Peach. And that, that is my uh, <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory for Mario RPG. My word. Well, you know, those two never showed. I don't think they've ever showed up again in anything. No, they haven't. Nothing. Never mentioned again by Nintendo. Gino actually has shown up, apparently, in some of the later uh, games in this this series or the spinoffs of the series, but not as Did a playable he? character. Uh, oh. He's at least oh. as, a, as like an NPC in one game, and I think he's referenced in another. But he's not really a playable character ever again. And thankfully, Mallow never heard from again, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. <laughs> um, well, one of the, the positives of this game, even though you have five characters, um, you know, a lot of role-playing games, if you don't have a character in your active party, they don't receive any experience or they receive a much diminished level of experience. Thankfully, in this game, all five of your characters will receive the experience whether or not they're in the combat. And actually, even if a character dies in combat, as long as you finish the combat, they also get the experience. So Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you, this spoiled me for future RPGs. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah this, this is not normal. I quickly learned, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm very appreciative. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this, uh, there's a lot of concepts here that probably were put in, you know, for the, we've talked about this already this episode, for the first time 
you know, kind of RPG player. Uh, but there's so many things that I think were just great concepts that should have been carried over. Um, that being one of them. Uh, maybe that's just because I'm lazy and I don't like grinding more than I have to. But but yeah, I think I I applaud that. Well, I have to say, because they got to level up, I didn't have to worry about grinding uh, with characters I didn't like. So I did use Mallow and I did use uh, Gino, uh, you know, pretty consistently throughout as far as I got in the game. I didn't finish this one, but I got basically to to the start of the end stretch of the game uh, and then just ran out of time. I will finish it. I do enjoy it. But uh, again, this is a longer game. I was unfortunately also playing uh, a, another large scale RPG during this time frame and uh, and I just ran out of time. But Mallow has his later abilities are actually pretty good group attack spells. So if there were areas I'd get to where I knew I was going to fight five or six guys at once outside of a boss fight, I would put Mallow in the party because his area attack spells were less expensive than Gino's one area attack spell that was good, but it was super expensive. It would take all your, uh, your, your flower power, which is what you use for magic points in this game. Uh, I did think it was another... I guess you brought this up earlier. Uh, but unlike a lot of games where each character has their own magic bar, you have a group-shared magic pool, uh, which is your flower pot or whatever it's called, uh, which is just, you know, as you use your abilities, you know, Mario does as a jump attack, that's three points out of a 20-point pool. And as you go through the levels and as you, you find and explore, you'll, you'll get the ability to find many, many more flower points. But still, it never became the point, at least for me, and maybe I just didn't do a lot of the optional side quests because there was a good deal of that. But I never had an abundance of magic power. No, I was constantly, and I mean, even when I do a lot of side quests, yeah, I was. Con- you can pick up these, uh, you know, like flower tabs, and, and there are a couple items. You know, they'll give you one additional point. They'll give you a few additional points, and you know, even after picking up a lot of those, some of those those later spells just take so much. I mean, you can only pull them off a few times. Uh, but yeah, this was something I was constantly having to keep an eye on and uh, there are items you can use in combat to, to fill that back up but some of these later fights you can't waste a turn from a character uh, necessarily to fill that bar back up I mean you've got to always uh, kind of be on the attack uh, so yeah that becomes later on probably one of the more difficult things is kind of managing that uh, and I got to the point to where I almost used uh, just healing spells exclusively, um, as 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 far as that goes. Uh, unless there was a group and I needed to use a big, you know, area of attack spell, I almost just use it only for healing. Just because I am, and I'm glad it wasn't just me. I am horrific at managing that thing and keeping it from from hitting zero. I think besides the last third of the game, this is my least favorite uh, thing of the game because this was something you know, having the the full party uh, pool of magic actually made it worse than other RPGs um, by simplifying it like that. Because, I mean, this really limited what you could do with each character. Uh, before, in, in other RPGs, the healer, uh, it, you know, it's very, very heavy magic user. And, of course, that would be, you know, Mallow in this one. Um, but because of that pool, if you wanted to use any sort of attacks that damages people with your other characters, that limited what you could do with Mallow. And I think that's why he was basically dead after every single fight that I had, because at some point, you know, I just, I had to really, I had to get some damage going. I couldn't just sit there and, and, uh, you know, heal with Mallow constantly. So I I really, you know, I I wish that they would have had individual magic bars. I think that would have made this game much better, uh, especially towards the end of the game where you have to manage, like Billy said, you have to manage that bar 
so hardcore uh, that it, it becomes almost impossible. Unless you really do those side quests, you can get a decent amount of magic. But yeah, those those side quests and exploring and, and doing kind of the, the extra stuff in the game, uh, that, that's really what you have to do if you want to get any, any sort of decent magic pool going. Well, I think in the beginning, I, I didn't mind it because I thought it made it so, you know, you want to use the basic attacks, the basic, you know, fight and block attacks. So you have to learn that button press timing. And again, it's Mario. So I kind of expected that the special attacks were supposed to be special where, you know, like I, I've been playing uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions or the, the Persona games where you never use your basic attack. You only use special attacks. So I, I always thought, you know, I, I thought when I was playing this, this is supposed to kind of get you to understand these are not what you do 99% of the time. It's what you do only when necessary. So I didn't mind the shared pool, but it definitely made it so that a lot of the later abilities I didn't even use uh, if I didn't think it would necessarily destroy in a boss battle. For example, Mario has three levels of his jump attack. His regular jump attack, a super jump, and I think it's like an ultra jump or something that require you to push the button over and over again in time to keep jumping to do more damage. But if you spend all those magic points on your ultra jump and then you don't time it right, You've wasted all those points for what a normal yep. jump would have done. Mm-hmm. Actually, probably less than a normal jump would have done. So, in a lot of the, especially with Mario's jump attacks, and maybe that's why I haven't finished this game. Uh, but I really didn't use anything other than his standard attack, the standard jump attack, and then if a monster was clearly made of ice or something, I'd use a fireball. But otherwise, you know, Mario was basic attacks the whole time and items, and uh, and then the princess would do nothing but heal or, or Mallow if I was using him at that point, and the rest of it was just use basic attacks unless you need to do a group attack. Well, I guess I should probably correct myself. The the basic battles, you, you're probably never going to have a problem with your magic pool. It's when those boss fights come up. And I don't know if we want to get into that now or what, but these boss fights are your typical square boss fights. I mean, these things go for five to ten minutes or more. They are, you know, you've really got to be in it for the long haul for these things. And then that's where you really have to start micromanaging that that magic pool. We'll get to the bosses in just a minute, but I want to talk about the two different kind of, uh, like the action scenes they threw into the game. It's not just a standard RPG where you go from town to place to town to place and fight monsters on the, the RPG field. They also threw in, I guess because it's Nintendo, uh, some, some kind of action scene optional games. It's not pure action, but it's kind of a lot more action than the rest of that game. Um, you know, a good example is there's, there's one where you go down this waterfall and you have to make sure you grab the coins at the right time. And there's actually hidden caves in there that you can find other items. Uh, and there's, unfortunately, some mine carts. I got a little, <laughs> little bit of PTSD from the mine cart oh, section. Yeah. It wasn't so bad compared to, to Young Merlin, but it was still doable. Uh, but I thought those were interesting. And they were, you know, other than doing them once for the story, you didn't have to do them again. But you could go back to them to earn, you know, plenty of extra things uh, as you were going through, like, frog coins. They use frog coins to get special items. Those action scenes normally in a in an RPG, you know, Square does this a lot with their games. They have little action sections, you know, chokeable racing or something that's kind of a pointless thing. Uh, I don't normally enjoy those in in those games. I find them to break up the part of the game I enjoy. But because of you know this being a little more lighthearted, the fact that the combat isn't super involved at the very beginning, uh, you know, I, I didn't mind the action scenes, even that damn minecart. I, I enjoyed them. I thought it was a nice breakup. Uh, you know, there's a lot of of other kind of 
yeah. almost find quests. There's all these hidden treasure chests throughout the game that if you jump in certain spots, they pop up. Uh, you know, there's a lot of extra things to do that I didn't do at all because I was trying to play this, you know, in, in a short time for the podcast. But since you guys have played this before, have you done a lot of those optional quests? I mean, I, I enjoy that they were there, and I'll probably go back and start over fresh and try to do as many as I can next time. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done uh, my fair share. I mean, I've done what I believe uh, to be all of them. And, you know, and some of them, you get some pretty good items out of it. One is a, uh, there, there are a couple optional fights. Uh, one of them is a, I mean, a pretty hefty boss fight. I think we'll, we'll talk, I'll talk about that one a little later on uh, when we get kind of to the boss section. But yeah, I mean, there, there are different things. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the better ones, uh, and this is kind of pointless, uh, but there is there's a kid you encounter uh, in, a, in an inn uh, pretty early on in the game, and he is absorbed into a, a, a Game Boy game he's playing. And, you know, he, he continually tells you, you know, don't bother me. But later on in the game, much later on, uh, you can go back and you can play this game. Uh, and it is, it's uh, Beatlemania, I believe it's called. And and you know there are there are shells flying around. You shoot stars at them, and uh, you get points for it for setting off chains and whatnot. Uh, it's a it's a fun game. Uh, it's just something random you can do on there that doesn't really have many much of a point to it. Um, of course, there's also a casino in there. Uh, just a, a few small games, and you know, and there's a lot of kind of fetch quests here and there where you're trading out items. And uh, there's a lot of little extra things to do. And there's also a lot of little cameos in here with other Nintendo characters, uh, mostly at the end. Ends you can stay at uh, if you decide to sleep at them. I know uh, Link was in there, Samus. So a lot of little nods to Nintendo here and there. They did like a good job of like breaking up, you know, what what is a fairly short RPG, you know, like a most of these games you, you, you fucking think you're going to play for like 60, 70 hours. This is not super long at all i mean it's a decent sized game but it is not long like final fantasy 6 is long um and so like instead of just keeping on the the straight and narrow path of, of getting to to the bosses and, and continuing the game uh these uh, doing these little side quests and and finding these little areas and stuff like that really helped uh make the game actually a little bit longer than it is and it was always fun to to see what the game would throw at you because it, every single one of them it's not like you're you're doing the same thing over and over with each of these side quests. Uh, each one is unique and and fun to see what what they're going to give you. Something you said just now, uh, you know, reminded me. The other thing I liked about this progression, the way this game moves, and because it's so short, is there's not a lot of grinding. Uh, you know, a lot of the you still want to fight everything in the rooms you're in, but since you can see all the enemies, you'll say, okay, there's four fights in this room, and, and it's worth doing all four. But if you do that, you won't have to do any grinding. You'll go straight from the start of the game to the end of the game. With, without having to sit in one area kind of going back and forth and back and forth fighting the same monsters just to, to grind a few levels. You know, that's something a lot of those, you know, the Final Fantasies and Chrono Trigger even, a lot of those had some grinding areas. This, thankfully, didn't have that. Uh, but because you could also avoid the fights, you want to make sure you didn't avoid too many or you'd get to boss fights and just be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think as a general rule, when you, when you step onto a stage uh, in an area, yeah, probably take on all the fights that are there, uh, and that'll be enough really to keep you at a high enough level to to compete you know on even ground or maybe slightly above uh the bosses you'll encounter later on uh but yeah i mean you're free to grind if you want if you leave an area and come back all those fights are there again but yeah i mean this is kind of it's up to you if you want to grind through and and 
and go into things a little more powered up. But yeah, it's like you said, uh, you can just play through. I do recommend fighting everything that's there. And yeah, no, really no grinding required. And it's not like the, the regular fights. You know, it's not like there's a ton. I mean, the, even the dungeons, they're not very long. So if you just stick to, to what you see and, and fight those guys, you're good to go. But if you get impatient and start running through that thing uh, and, and jumping over enemies and avoiding them and just so you can kind of get through it, then you're going to be screwed. Because yeah, you're those gonna... bosses will put you in your damn place really quick because you will just not be leveled up enough to deal with them. mentioned the bosses now is the best time to get to that i think a lot of the bosses are until maybe the last third of the game are not hard and they're not going to show you how to really play this game the way that they expect you to play the end of this game uh, a lot of games do that it's kind of irritating but this game the the difficulty seemed to go from from you know the beginning was very easy and then it got to okay i gotta pay attention to holy crap i made one mistake and this whole fight has gone down the toilet Yep. And that's the last bunch of fights, starting with, uh, is it the Axel Rangers? It's like five people on a uh, ship. Yes, the Axel Rangers is when this game, uh, yeah, the boss fights, uh, I mean, lengthwise, I think they can wear on you early on. But you're Definitely. never, you're never, it's just that they have high HP. I mean, they're not really uh, putting up much of a fight. It's just taking you forever to wear them down. Uh, you don't really, I mean, the first, you know, third of this game you'll get through uh and the fights are just long but you're not really in any danger at any point in time of losing really uh but there comes a point yet when the axum rangers roll out and they come at you after you've already been in a boss fight uh i mean there's there's little turnover and that, a boss fight with two forms it's a yes. boss you fight at the yeah. end of a lava area and then the, the boss becomes like a zombie version of the same boss and then there's no save spot or anything. You just go to the next room and where you think you're going to get your, your star to end the level. And no, it starts another boss fight. Yeah, and this is when I have to believe that the, 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 the people from Square caught the folks from Nintendo sleeping. <laughs> and, said, and said, all right, well, this is it. Because, man, it seems like a very friendly, very welcoming game. But when the Axum Rangers come in, the mask slips off. And probably for the rest of this game, uh, you've got to step it up. You, you've got to make sure you've got the best weapons, uh, that you have uh, the proper lineup in there. You need to make sure everybody is at a, a decent level. Yeah, this is when, if you tried to speed run through, if you skipped uh, a lot of, you know, little optional fights, uh, you're, gonna, you're not going to get any further. Your, your game is over at this point unless you go back and level up. That's uh, This game's difficulty spike is right there. And it literally goes from, you know, 30 miles per hour to 100 miles per hour in a, a, right in those two boss fights. Uh, the Axum Rangers, fucking nightmare. Uh, that's the point where whenever I replay this game again to this day, which is exactly what I did with this playthrough, I get to the Axum Rangers and I'm done. 
because that's uh, that's the point where the game really starts wearing on me uh, from that point on. Um, it, I think the best of Mario RPG is behind it at that point. And then we kind of get into the um, the Mario RPG version of a boss rush from there until the end of the game. Yeah, and th- this that's exactly it. Uh, the story... I mean, a story is in, you know, the, the, the fun parts, you know, the venturing around, you know, yeah. it's over. Uh, it, it is few and far between uh, that you get things like that at this point. Yeah, at this point, you're going one boss to the next, uh, but you've already invested so much at this point uh, that, that you keep going. Uh, the first time the Axum Ranger showed up, I spent no less than a couple of days trying to get through them. I would come home from school. I would play that a couple of times. I would not get any further. And yeah, I mean, this is a, a real test right here for a game that has not equipped you with well, the skills that for what's to come. That's the first time the game is like all of a sudden out of nowhere, you have to be perfect. Like you cannot fuck up in this fucking, you know, this fight. If you do, if you lose one character you're, or something goes wrong, you're done. Yeah. And it's not a short fight like most of these boss fights are. You know, it's it's a decently long fight. So even if you get all the way through that fight, you know, you're doing great. You're doing, you know, you, you've managed your, your magic pool. Uh, but you fuck up one of those button presses because you're not paying attention because it's been eight minutes into this fucking thing. Um, you're dead. You're gone. You got to do it over again. Yeah. And this is something I have just, you know, like I said, I don't play a lot of RPGs. I wasn't ready. I was not ready for the the length of this. Uh, you get uh, it wears on you. It really does, and you get to the point where you just want this thing over, and it gets to the point where you don't care how it ends, <laughs> whether whether they win or you do. Yeah. Uh, if, if this thing ends, that's a win in and of itself. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's tough to just camp out there and slug this thing out. And on occasion, it, it seems like even if things are going well, uh, these Axum Rangers, I mean, there's five of them. And sometimes they will target one character and, and they can take somebody at full health. They can whittle them down real quick, even if you are doing pretty much everything to the T. But there's a little bit of randomness in this fight that just makes it just incredibly frustrating. Uh, not a little bit. That, that was the first fight. And I think the rest of the fights, as far as, as how I got through this game, follow the same pattern. But a lot of those fights felt to me more just just kind of a random, you know, bullshit fest where they have specific attacks they can do. They might have two or three attacks for each character, but there's five characters in this Axum Rangers fight. All of them have different attacks. They all have a physical attack that most of the time isn't that impressive, but they all have a projectile attack. The pink, uh, the pink Axum Ranger is the worst possible one because she has the ability to put your characters to sleep, uh, and she also has the ability to heal uh, other members of the group uh, that they're fighting. Uh, the green... Axum Ranger does area attack spells that can be extremely dangering, da- damaging to everybody. So because there's five of them, generally before you even get the first turn on this, they've gone four or five times. Uh, you know, each of them have gone once before you get to go a first time. And so if you don't get lucky with what they attack you with and also know exactly who to attack in what order, you're not going to get through that fight. I, I spent from all night last night, I mean, I probably tried that fight 20 times last night, and I got up this morning after deciding I had to go to bed or break my controller. And I, I did beat it after a couple tries this morning, but I don't know if I could do it again. Like, I think I just got lucky with what attacks they used. Uh, I will say that after you, you finish beating the five of the Rangers, you get down to just the Red Ranger, 
and he jumps on the top of this robot head that's behind him and yes. does an area attack that the first time it wiped my class out and that was the, the whole group in one attack and I had to go back to my save spot which is before the the lava dragon oh. and I just said okay I'm going to turn this off oh. and I'm going to I'm going to go outside I'm going to drink a beer and I'm going to just think about life for a little bit because <laughs> it's not worth breaking a television over. But I was right at that level where I thought if I rip this television off the wall and throw it on the floor, I'd feel way, way better about my life than right, it's, right it's beforehand. Totally shitty. I mean, this is for as simple as this game starts out being. I mean, this gets to the point where, like, if you are a, a veteran JRPG square, you know, square RPG player, this is it's rough. I mean, this is really, really hard. And if you got past this, I mean, uh, I don't think it ever gets this hard for the rest of the game. Uh, I I think this is really where the difficulty spikes uh, all the way to the top. And and from there, it goes down a little bit, but not much. But this is this is, I think, the hardest part of the whole game to me. It it probably is. Uh, Yeah, it's just it's just you won't fight this many characters again. Uh, That. Oh. Yeah, this is a tough fight, and and the problem is there's not much reward after this. You go on, essentially, you this is a march from one boss to the next. I wish yes. I could say that the, I wish I could say the game keeps you know that original kind of feel that it had early on, the kind of lighthearted, you know, a lot of fun here and there. No, I mean it, it turns into a serious RPG, which would be fine if it happened over time. You know, if things built up, but it's it's just such a sudden switch. It's very disorienting switch that this game takes. Well, the the Axon Rangers fight is is hard, and it's definitely the hardest fight that I got to so far. I haven't finished the game, uh, but again, just due to time, I have I I'm at a a boss now that I've I've died at a couple times, but I, I don't think I'm hopeless there. I just haven't figured them out yet. But that this fight was, you know, I stopped. And I looked online what to do, and even with those directions, I still wasn't sure why I couldn't get this to work. And it's because it's random. The, the randomness of what they can do will yeah. kill you sometimes. Um, after that fight, you get to kind of go back to an area where, uh, you know, you get a chance to save and, and buy new items and kind of wrap the story up to some level to head to the last set of combats, which is a, a whole bunch of bosses with some, some small areas in between. And that's kind of the area, if you want to do all those side quests, that's the time to do it. That's the time to, you know, if I was playing this again, when I play this again, I'll probably beat the Axum Rangers and then just stop there and do everything I possibly can before going to that last, you know, kind of boss tunnel that will go to the last end of the game. I think I only have three big fights left, including the one that I'm on. Um, None of them are as hard as the Axum Rangers. In fact, the bosses immediately after them, at the start of that next area, I would would hardly call bosses. They're, They're much more of the standard... You know, just do as much damage as you can and have Peach heal you every time, and you'll get through it no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there is something in the in terms of bosses. If you got finished with Axum Rangers and you said to yourself, "Man, I want to do something like that again," <laughs> there is there is a completely optional boss in this game uh, called Aculix, and yes. and, you, and you find him in in Monstro Town. Uh, there's a certain stone you would have got early on if you made a kind of a, an item switch uh, back in the mold town. If you bought the fireworks, gave them to a certain character, they would give you this stone uh, that activates on a, a hidden door. And you step in, and it is a boss that, uh, and this is what I had thought for a while, and I'd actually read up. It, it's pretty. It's not from a Final Fantasy game, I don't believe, but it's made to be kind of a nod, one of the more traditional. 
Final Fantasy characters. I, it's it's not a cartoonish character at all. Uh, uh, it doesn't look like anything else in the game. And this is a character, I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, is second only in hit points, possibly to the final boss. Uh, much more difficult than the final boss. And he has several crystals around him. Uh, four, if I'm not mistaken. So essentially, yeah, and they can all attack. Uh, so once again, you're taking on five characters. Uh, and it's it's a bear to get through this thing. Uh, I couldn't do it. Uh, as, as a child, my first time playing through this, couldn't do it. Uh, thankfully, it was optional. I just went on. I never bothered with it again. Every now and then, I would give it a shot. It was my goal to do it this time. And I finally did. I pulled it off, uh, not with any fancy technique or anything. I mean, I just kept trying it, and, and I eventually did it. Uh, save states may have played a role in that. <laughs> and they may or may not have. But yeah, uh, you beat him. You get a, a pretty nice item. Uh, this is a, a useful item that I could use before. It's a, uh, I think it, it, it increases your attack by 50% and your defense yes. by 50%. Uh, and it prevents you, I think it prevents you from dying from any of those kind of instant death attacks. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's pretty much a game breaking item. Uh, you blow through it after that, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I would not recommend trying this boss until one of the very last things you do. I thought that was actually like the funniest thing in the game. Uh, that was like, you go in this door and this, little like you know 2d pixel sprite comes down mm -hmm. you know he's saying that he's from another dimension he doesn't understand what's going on but he wants to fight you and then you fight him and he totally just looks like a, a final fantasy 6 uh boss sprite you know he's he's all pixelated and everything he he's so out of place but that is the boss fight in this game for like those uh oh, what do you call them in final fantasy 7 those optional bosses um, that 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 were super tough. I can't remember, but uh, this is the optional super tough boss fight in Super Mario RPG, and I, I don't I don't think I've ever been able to beat that guy. He is he is rough. Well, congratulations to Billy for doing so. Um, yes, <laughs> I didn't get again. I get to the very end boss, uh, but I'm going to probably before this this actually posts, I will have beaten it. Um, I I guess I recommend this to anyone who likes. RPGs, I think you're gonna you have to force yourself through the first third of the game to get to the point where it's it you know once you get three characters in your party it feels more traditional, it, it starts flowing you can kind of see oh here's how this game is built here's what I'm supposed to do, uh, and then once it gets harder I didn't hate that part of the game the boss rush kind of pieces it definitely isn't as interesting but it's more of what I expect when I see the you know RPG and square on a box, um, but I don't know if I would recommend this to someone who does not like RPGs. I think once you get to that point, once you get to that Axum Rangers fight, I don't know if, if it's enjoyable. I mean, you know, Billy, you'd played this before, and I guess you did like it enough to, to want to do it again. But if I was not in RPGs, this would, that would be the point 100% where I just stopped. Yeah, I mean, I almost did uh, the first time I played it. I, if, if this was a rental, yeah, I would have, I would have stopped right there. Uh, at this point, I had purchased it when I made it that far. So, I mean, I, I was determined you know, to, to get through the thing. Because, you know, yeah, at the time, uh, I didn't have a lot of Super Nintendo games left that I hadn't played through. Uh, so I, I wanted to get the most out of this one. And I think I, uh, those things combined just kind of pushed me to get through it. Otherwise, yeah, it, uh, 
I was completely put off at that point in time. I'm glad I finished it. It's a it's a solid game. Uh, you know, after the Axum Rangers, I can get through those other boss fights fine. Uh, but yeah, if you are playing this thing as a Mario fan, uh, you're not experienced with RPGs at all, especially if you don't like them, uh, you might enjoy the first half of this game. But there's going to come a definite point in time where you are going to say, this is not for me. I'd still recommend it. I, I think it's still a, a really fun game. Um, if you like uh, square 16-bit uh, role-playing games, I, th- I think this is really great. Yeah. Uh, especially if you like uh, boss fights in those <laughs> games as well. This is your game. I, I don't think I've ever seen so many damn boss fights in a square RPG ever. Um, and, and, you know, it's not a very long game, like we said, and they really fill it to the brim with a lot of boss fights. And I mean, um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this is one of my favorite Super Nintendo titles. Uh, this is this is right up there. Uh, I, I this is up there with Link to the Past, Donkey Kong Country, you know, some of the big hitters on the Super Nintendo. I, I'm not saying it's a bad game by any means. It's just uh, it, Mario fans and RPG fans are just, they, they seem like two very different audiences. I think both uh, both crowds can get something out of this game, uh, but I think it's going to be hard to get the side-scrolling Mario fans to, to stick around for the duration. I think it's an all-time classic. I'll, I'll oh, yeah. say that. There's no denying that. Well, I, and again, I hadn't played this before, and my preconceived notions of this game was that I thought it would be kind of baby's first RPG, and the very beginning of it is. But it definitely gets harder throughout the game, and I think it's still aged just fine. Yeah, it doesn't look as pretty as, you know, Final Fantasy thirteen, but it's far more playable. I like it a lot more than that game, uh, and I, I still recommend it to anybody. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't. Did you guys play any of the games that came after this? Kind of in the series. I mean, I know this is the only one that's this strictly an RPG, uh, but they've it's, put out a handful of other games that are very similar uh, throughout it's a, it's the years. A, yeah, it's a complicated history. I mean, you know, of course, Nintendo and uh, you know, and Square didn't do much more after that it was it was very kind of complicated history of getting a second one out there and it just didn't happen instead you got the uh you know the paper mario series which was kind of inspired by this uh, you know you had your turn-based fights and all that and you got that mario and luigi series which i can't that, those games are too new for us to really uh, delve into too much here but I, I can't recommend the games in that series enough uh, I, i've played every mario and luigi game that's come across uh, they're all excellent games. Well, and the Paper Mario series kind of diverts drastically after that first Paper Mario game, which is yeah. similar to this but still different. Um, you know, the first game in this quote series I had played was Super Paper Mario on the Wii, and that's not a role-playing game at all. I mean, it's uh, an action game with stats, mm-hmm. but it's it's <laughs> not a role-playing game by any means. Well, I love the, the, uh, the Mario and Luigi DS games. Those are some of my favorite role-playing games on that system. I... You know, it, it's not like this. It's obviously not, you know, it's its own thing. But it's still, you know, basically a, a, an RPG where you fight people on different screens and stuff like this game. Uh, but it, it's got its own unique feel. But um, there's really only one game that can kind of scratch that Super Mario RPG itch for me. And, and that's the original Super Mario RPG, sadly enough. Yeah, and this one, you know, I played through it for this. And this is a game I'm going to be, you know... A year or two from now, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to play it again. Uh, it's on the, uh, I think what spurred us to keep, to do this. It's on there on the Wii U shop. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be playing this one for multiple times for years to come. 
Yeah, if you had to buy a cart for this, you know, prepare to throw some money out. But thankfully, oh, you can yeah. download it for $8. So I highly recommend that. Uh, if you're going to do it through legal means, that's the best way to do so. Uh, but yeah, it's an excellent game, excellent series uh, of, of games if you want to get into those Mario and Luigi games as well. But but this is kind of where it all started, and it's a, it's a neat to see a, a crossover by two, two companies that are, you know, still very, very involved in the gaming industry, you know, kind of share that that space where they, they kind of work together very well. And then after that, you know, that's when uh, Square switched to uh, the Sony platforms, and, and they didn't really talk to Nintendo again for quite a long time. Still really don't. Well, they do all the handhelds. I think that's they, they still talk to each other because Nintendo's handhelds are still the handhelds to be on. But, uh, yeah, other than that, nope, they haven't done anything at all for, you know, the, well, I guess, did they even do anything on the Wii? Mm, no, no. Well, they had that one Final Fantasy that was kind of crazy. Oh, the oh. multiplayer one, the four-player one? No, well, God, what was it? It was like Final Fantasy, it, it was just for Wii, and it never came out or anything. Oh, God, I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't bad. I, I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me, though. That that was the I think that's the only thing Square has really done exclusive for Nintendo, uh, really since I think Mario RPG. So that's our thoughts on Super Mario RPG: Secret of the Seven Stars. I, I super recommend it. I think it's a great game. Uh, we've all kind of agreed that it's. It's definitely unique, and it still holds up today. Uh, but like every week, uh, we do have some listener mail. Uh, we do. And first, I would actually like to apologize to Kevin Meadows for our previous podcast. I incorrectly named uh, David R. as the person that did the the question. Mm. He was, of course, the one that recommended the game uh, last week. And for some reason, I wrote his uh, his name down for the email. So, Kevin Meadows, you are the person that uh, that wrote in on the last podcast that was uh, that was all you, buddy. Sorry about that. Uh, but this uh, this week uh, we uh, we got a uh, email from Race, and he writes in to ask if there was one thing I remember about the eight bit and sixteen bit days. It was how it seemed everyone had their go to third party controller. No one ever used the standard controllers and instead rocked NES advantages or controllers featuring about a dozen different turbo buttons and dials all over it. Did any of you have any favorite third-party controllers you used back then, or even some that you always wanted but never got? I definitely was an NES uh, Max man. Uh, using it now, I don't know if you've used the Max recently, but the controller is super, super small, even smaller than the standard Nintendo controller. Really? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's maybe it's just because it's got the it, it's the buttons are closer together. So I, I felt like I have giant hands now on these little controllers. <laughs> but but back in that that time frame back in the Nintendo days, you had to have turbo buttons for a lot of games. I mean, you yeah. could you could do it yourself and, and push the button real fast and that's how you were supposed to play these games, but especially things like track and field and uh, I'm I'm thinking of other games where it was like you had to push the button so fast to kind of pass a trial. Yeah, I just used turbo. Yeah, there was yeah. no fun in and pounding a button as fast as you possibly can i mean we all did it but uh once turbo buttons came out and especially for you know if you liked gradius or those kind of shooters you you had to have a turbo button or you would blow your thumbs out so i i definitely like the the max i had an advantage but the advantage uh that you know their joystick controller uh, it was just so big and it wasn't it wasn't as easy to just hold as the regular controller so i i was definitely a max person yeah i had uh i had i delved in it a bit um my, I had the advantage, uh, clearly. I think I picked it up for Skate or Die in particular, the part where you have to, to get the, the height up the, uh, 
the ramp there. I, I couldn't do it normally. <laughs> uh, I would use it for other games. But uh, I had my go-to, probably is also the most pointless third-party contraption. It wasn't a controller itself, but it attached to your controller. I had the, the Super Controller, uh, which was just a, a little uh, plastic piece. You know, it had a little hinge on it, and you, you wrapped it around the regular controller, and instead of the D-pad, you, you then had an analog stick. Uh, and I, I used this thing not on my own when I was by myself most of the time because, you know, the good thing about Nintendo games, you didn't really need an analog stick for anything at all. Uh, it didn't help with many of the games on there. I think this thing mainly I use for intimidation uh, when playing with other other people. Uh, when going over to someone else's house, I would take their controller. You know, I'd snap that thing on there, and I would proceed to play with the same skill I would play, even if it was not on there. But I, I think it got in their heads a little bit. Uh, worthless. I think you can you can still buy them today. I was looking at this just earlier when this question came around. About seven dollars now. Uh, if you, if you want that little bit of an edge, other than that, I didn't delve too far into into third party stuff. I remember for the Dreamcast, I had a uh, a, a fight pad, uh, and it was just a, uh, a a D pad and a six button layout, and it was good for absolutely none of the Dreamcast games I owned. <laughs> uh, so I, I haven't delved in it too much, and, and my times in it, I uh, pretty much ended up with a bunch of worthless stuff. I think I the, the first one I ever bought was the uh, Advantage on NES, mm-hmm. and that was mainly because it had a slow motion button on it, and that was <laughs> what, like what, what did you use? Uh, what did you use that for? And when Castlevania? How long, Castlevania. I how used long did it, it take you to realize that it was pretty much just hitting the start button over and over again? You know, I figured out what it was doing, but I, I am not capable of hitting the start button over and over as fast as that advantage could. Yeah. And I will say that it actually, that was the first time I ever beat Dracula. Really? Was using that advantage, using the slow motion feature, because, you know, it, if you're just going uh, at regular speed, Dracula, th- you know, he throws out super fast stuff and you have to react really quickly and you don't have much health anyway. So, you know, with the advantage, I could definitely uh, telegraph everything he was doing and, and jump over it or, you know, hit him when I needed to. So it was that made that easy. But otherwise, uh, you know, it really didn't help much uh, with with like, a, you know, especially like Turbo. I didn't play very many like shooter games like Gradius or anything where you have to just keep jamming on the button. So I, I really think that was that was about all I ever used it for. Um, my go-to Super NES controller was the uh, was it the uh, ASCII ASCII pad. Mm. Um, I think that's how you pronounce their name. It was yeah. like A S C I I, and this was like one of those uh, controllers that had like several different turbo buttons on the thing. Like it had more turbo buttons and dials on it than it did actual you know face buttons on the Super Nintendo. And I love that controller. That was great. Uh, I also got the I can't remember what it was called, but it was the um, fighting stick or the the arcade stick for the super nintendo and that thing was one of the biggest pieces of shit i've ever had because it had the stiffest stick i have ever tried to move like that thing you could not do anything with it because that stick was so stiff and you know i'm sure there's everyone saying (laughs) that's drawing comparisons to other things with that but you could not honestly move that thing uh, in any sort of like motion at all without it just creaking back and forth it was just 
it was like it was made by someone that just didn't understand what an arcade stick was supposed to be. Um, but besides that, um, after that, things got into the PlayStation era and things got kind of crazy. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers that. I think we, you know, Jeremy P said he owns it. Uh, I always wanted a knee G con controller for, for PlayStation racing games. That thing looked amazingly crazy. And uh, maybe, maybe he can actually explain what it is. The, the Nejicon, it might be pronounced Nejicon, I'm not sure, but it was N-E-G-C-O-N. And it was a Namco-only controller. It worked on Ridge Racer and Motor Tune Grand Prix. And that's what I bought it for because Motor Tune was Sony's version kind of of Mario Kart. It wasn't as good uh, as, as a multiplayer game, but it was a better straight racer than, uh, than Mario Kart. But anyway, uh, the Nejicon controller had a, a joint in the middle that you would turn like it was a steering wheel. So you'd have your, you know, your, your hand on one side. It had a, a control pad and it had regular buttons, but you would twist the controller left and right uh, with, your, with your hands as the steering wheel. And it, it was analog, so it was, if you turn it harder, you do a harder right turn or harder left turn. If you barely turn it, you barely go left or right like a steering wheel. It was a neat controller, but it, again, it worked for all of two games. Uh, there might have been a third. Probably were more in Japan we didn't get, but in the U.S. it was just those, uh, those games, the Ridge Racer games and then Motor Tune. I I always had, especially because I was working in, in a retail store, so I tried and bought a lot of ridiculous controllers during the PlayStation era. That's when rhythm games picked up, so there was, you know, uh, uh, you know, Parappa the Rapper came out, and, and Dance Dance was a big thing, Dance Dance Revolution. I had a handheld Dance Dance Revolution pad that was set up just like a regular Dance Dance Revolution pad, but you use your fingers on it. Like if you made a little finger dancing guy, you know, like use your... I does, it's the dumbest thing I've ever bought. Uh, it was Holy a shit. handheld Dance Dance Revolution <laughs> pad. Uh, I had a one-handed um, RPG-specific made controller. So it had, it's like you held it like the, uh, the Wii, you know how the Wiis have that second nunchuck piece that has just a thumb stick on it and two buttons? Mm-hmm. It was like that, but it had every button on the PlayStation controller on one hand. So it was oh, a thumb stick on the top, and then behind you was just this big array of buttons. And you had to figure out what it all was, but was the idea was you have a one-handed RPG controller. Again, what are you going to do with the other hand? You're playing Final Fantasy. I don't know. Eating a sub. Uh, I'm sure there were other <laughs> things you could do. There's there some pretty alluring characters in that Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, you got Red 13. It's all over. <laughs> you seen the hair on that cloud? That's insane. <laughs> but yeah, that was. I bought that because I was like, well, that's cool. Why wouldn't you buy that? I had a for the Super Nintendo. I had a controller that it was very similar. It was it was a fighting game controller but it was made so that you'd use your left hand as a normal controller so you, you know you have your holding control with your left hand and you use the your thumb on the thumbstick but then to use the you know the three punch buttons and the three kick buttons it was like you were in an arcade using your fingers so they it was like a flat panel and like a weird hand on the, you know like a, a lump on the left you held with your other hand to control the stick it was bizarre i bought every weird controller i could all of them garbage because i ended up just using the base controllers on all those systems for everything I think you're talking about the one that I always wanted for the 3DO that, that came out. Capcom actually released yeah, the controller it was themselves. Capcom's controller. Uh, it was for their, their Super Street Fighter II Turbo uh, 3DO release. And, and I remember the instruction book actually having an advertisement for that that you can mail in for it. And God, I wanted that. That, that looks so stupid. I mean, if, if anybody can find a picture of that thing on, online, it is... It is one of the dumbest-looking controllers I've ever seen. But at the same time, I really, really wanted it. 
Well, it gave you the ability to have the, your, your three punches and three kicks, so why wouldn't yeah. you want it? But it was just awkward to use. You know, the idea that you'd have the, the buttons to use with your hands like you would in arcade, that's great, but it was so smashed in next to your thumb, you just didn't have the, the range to do what you needed. Uh, it was just more of a, a novelty than anything else. That's what most of those controllers were. Uh, you know, you didn't need turbo anymore because a lot of the time it was built into the game itself. You'd hold down the button, it would turbo fire. Uh, for shooters and things you know having to mash the button over and over again is a a mechanic that doesn't really get used anymore so i was always like just a a huge mark for those those weird kind of little one-off controller things i I think it was for like playstation 2 or or xbox um, but there was that kelly slater's pro skater that had like the uh the little uh skateboard that you put over the top of the dual analog sticks on your on your playstation 2 controller or whatever the hell it was and that game was something else, but just adding in that little stupid thing, uh, I loved it. I, you know, it, it's so so dumb, but it was it was kind of fun that you know just throwing that in there. I had always wanted that chainsaw controller for the GameCube. Oh man, yeah. I, to this day, when I look at it, I don't know how you comfortably use it. I don't think you probably you probably can't. I don't think you can. But oh man, yeah. I could tell that I, I, this was about the time I was starting to spend my own money on video <laughs> games. So it's the only reason I didn't end up with that. Some parent would have got suckered into buying me that thing. There's no way my parents would have bought me a, a chainsaw controller. I know what you're talking about. Uh, a completely useless controller. It was all cosmetic and not, not, not actually useful in any way, shape, or form. I still wanted it, though. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. chain. Every time I walked into my local Babbage's uh, at the mall... They had that stupid chainsaw controller sitting right there on that cabinet. And I just, you know, I was kind of like Billy. That's when I was spending my own money. And, and, you know, I was like, oh, man, do I really want to spend like 80 bucks on this stupid plastic tiny mini chainsaw controller that obviously you could never use in game well. But, man, it, it, I, I kind of still regret never buying that thing. Well, next week, we're going to go back to a Sega system. It's been a long time since we visited a Sega system. We're going back to the Genesis for RoboCop vs. Terminator, uh, a game Billy recommended and uh, remembers fondly, I believe. I have fond memories over this one, uh, soundtrack in particular. Uh, I've rented this one. This was a rental several times. This made it heavily into the rotation. Uh, I'm a fan of both franchises. I was a big fan of the comic, uh, you know, but... uh, pretty sure this game was based upon uh yeah as two of my favorite film franchises were coming together for a video game i wasn't sure how they were going to pull it off in my memory they do pull it off but we'll see i remember life being a lot better back then and when i think a lot about it it was just as awful as it is now so we will see how that turns out well until that show please check us out at retrovania.net i put out new videos every other week uh, also, find us on Facebook, Retrovania. Uh, well, we actually just changed our, um, uh, actually on Twitter as well, changed our name from just Retrovania to Retrovania.net. So um, there are a couple of things out there that are called Retrovania. So I figured we should probably just uh, make, make it a little less confusing and label all of our stuff Retrovania.net. So there you go. Find us everywhere as Retrovania.net, and we will see you next time. Thank you.